1: Fun hearing from you guys. If you haven't heard by now, we've just completed week two and are headed into the home stretch of what has been a three-week fast here at Liquid Church. It's been a challenging experience for a lot of us for 21 days. People giving up some of their daily comforts really to seek out God's breakthrough in different areas of our life this spring. Um, and it has come at some cost. All right, just let's be honest. Not all aspects of fasting are all a joy. Uh, hopefully, you're past the caffeine headaches by now. Um, I did get a message on Facebook. From one of our teenagers here at Liquid, who wrote this on my wall. He wrote, "Dear Pastor Tim, because of the fast, my mom has turned into a witch. Uh, Thanks for nothing." From JG, (laughs) I just want to acknowledge that maybe he needs to fast from Facebook, but he put this on my wall. Uh, You know, at least he's honest. Um, I know some of you—you're sick of the celery sticks and the hummus. You're done with it, and. I get it I get it man but believe God's doing something here on on a spiritual level um, I did get that. that uh, I got an email that I think captures the spirit, okay, of what we're going for, not just the hardship. Curtis wrote this to me He said, As I sit here alone on my lunch break, listen to great music, eat little of what I normally do, God's speaking to me. He says, Ever have it on the radio station you're listening to where it's static and faintly playing in the background is another song from another station? That's what I see myself doing. I listen, I go through the same routine, but faintly I hear someone else calling and I'm learning that someone is God. I am finally changing the station and have felt a huge connection with God through this fast. I can't wait to see what comes next. And that's the idea, guys. For three weeks, we've been turning off our normal appetites and really tuning into god's frequency and we're seeking god's breakthrough both big and small um there's a man at one of our campuses he saw me last week gave me this huge massive bear hug because at the beginning of the series actually he uh he had a tumor that was 4.5 centimeters and he shows this report to me and he goes i just got back from the doctor it's actually 1.5 centimeters it shrunk almost three times that's an incredible thing that's just, God, that's just God working uh, with people. Personally, um, God has definitely already begun answering my prayers. If you remember, originally I was asking God to raise up 500 people who would fast with me. I thought, wow, it'd be like you know, 30% of our congregation. God kind of blew the doors uh, off of that. All told, over 1,100 people uh, now committed to this fast. People actually who don't even go to our church heard about it. They registered online. Um, and here's the deal. If you've fallen off the wagon, relax, all right? Don't sweat it. We're not going to crucify you for eating a Tootsie Roll, all right? Just hop back on and finish strong this week because the idea is that God knows your heart, all right? And I believe he is going to exceed our dreams uh, this, this next couple of weeks. Um, during my fast, um, I asked um, God also to provide um, for our new campus in Montclair. And again, exciting news. We have some exciting staff news to uh, announce to you. I am so psyched to introduce these folks to you. Next week in Montclair, Uh, April 17th, okay, that's at 11 o'clock at Montclair High School. You got to be there. We're bringing all our campuses together for this one epic worship service, one church, one location. It is the first time ever, and uh, our our staff is going to be there uh, for the occasion. I can't wait for you to meet the, the new folks. I'm pretty pumped. Because to see God provide above and beyond what we were hoping for as a church is, is, is exciting to me. That's breakthrough. When God comes through in an area of need in a very dramatic way, and um, this is our final week together in this fast series, and I hope we've saved the best for last. I think we've did, because uh, I'm like, without the coffee, these folks need a double shot of the Holy Spirit today. You ready for this? So let's jump in. You take out your Bible. We're going to go Old Testament on your behind. We're open to Second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the caffeine drinks. This is a story about dramatic breakthrough and what happens when God's people really seek his provision in a crisis or a battle, some of which you are facing this spring. Um, This is a story of a guy with a funny name. His name is Jehoshaphat. Can we say that together? Jehoshaphat. Yeah. He became king of Judah around 872 BC. He ruled over Jerusalem. And here's the deal. In the middle of his reign, two enemy armies declared war on Israel. Verse 1 says this, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Verse 2, some men came and told him, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It's already in Harazan, Tamar, that's in Gedi. In other words, Jehoshaphat, this king over God's people, gets a message. A guy comes in one day and says, Jehoshaphat, war is at your doorstep. Now you see how it says that the Moabites and the Ammonites, this is a big deal. In the ancient world, the Ammonites were known as absolute barbarians. They invented the practice of child sacrifice. You know what that is? They worshiped the god Molech, and they would throw their firstborn son, the firstborn daughters, into a fire to appease this god. So these are demonic people. These are wicked people. These are bloodthirsty people. And they have this guy, Jehoshaphat, and God's people in his, their crosshairs, which helps you understand his response. Look at verse 3. It says, Alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And you could just circle that word alarmed because I think that's a very polite translation. I think the real Hebrew meant, Freaking out! Jehoshaphat resolved. In other words, he was upset. How would you feel if you woke up one day and heard New Jersey was being invaded by two wicked, wicked nations? Canada from the north and Long Island from the east. Can you imagine this? You'd be freaked. You'd be alarmed, and Jehoshaphat wakes up one morning and suddenly war is at his doorstep. Isn't that how it happens? Everything's going fine at work, and suddenly the boss calls you in, or a coworker stabs you in the back. Everything's fine, and then a relationship says all of a sudden, boom, it just blows up, and your family out of nowhere. Or right? everything's fine, and then you get that call from the doctor about the test that you thought were nothing, and. Or Bill arrives in the mail and suddenly you're in crisis. You're alarmed. You're freaking out like Jehoshaphat. But look at his response. Jehoshaphat, what did he do? What's that word there? Say it together, church. Resolved. Where have we heard this word before? Who remembers? Daniel, resolved. Jehoshaphat, resolved. All throughout scripture, whenever one of God's leaders is beset by a battle, they resolve. They make a resolution. They make a commitment in their spirit to seek God with everything they have alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a what? A fast for all Judah. A fast is a resolution. It's been something that's happening inside of you. Fasting, we learned in Hebrew, means to cover your mouth. And it's not just from food. Something comes in your life, you go, I can't believe this. I need, I have to seek out God with a commitment of my soul. I'm going to seek him through fasting and prayer. I'm going to inquire of the Lord, and, and I'm going to starve my flesh so that he can actually be filled with his spirit. Now, this spring, having, you know, 1,129 people in our church fasting in some way, giving up what's familiar, what's comfortable in order to taste more of God, we're doing that not because the Ammonites are bearing down on us, right? I mean, but we have other pressures. Can we get a full shot of this? Because these are all of these incredible responses, and uh, we don't have Ammonites, but other pressures are bearing down. Somebody's got a, a daughter who is on drugs and is unsaved. Someone's father is lying in a hospital bed, dying. A family going to be evicted from their home. A marriage of, of 20 years is coming unraveled. And I could go on and on and on and on. These are very real battles in our life that have no obvious solution in the natural realm, yeah? So this spring, we've resolved to inquire of the Lord. We're saying, God, would you supernaturally break through, intervene in these areas of our life that seem like they're under siege? That's what Jehoshaphat did. He called the entire nation of fast. It says, the people of Judah came together to what? Let's say it out. Seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to what? Seek him. We're seeking God. That's why we're fasting together. We're humbling ourselves this season because some of you are being called to a battle this year, yeah? It's not gone the way you thought. In fact, tomorrow we'll begin week three of our fast. We're two down, one to go, and I know you guys are like sick of the chickpeas, I get it, but you're like living this out fasting and prayer prayer and fasting they go hand in hand jehoshaphat first gathers the people and then he prays it says look at look at verse five it says this he stood up in the assembly of judah at the temple of the lord in the front of the new courtyard and he said O oh lord god of our fathers you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations let's out, let's say this out loud can we do it Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Folks, this is what spiritual warfare is all about. What is Jehoshaphat's first act of fighting back against the enemy? What's he doing here? He's, li- he's, he's literally praising God. God, you are holy. You are powerful. You are mighty. More than anything that I see said against me. Amen? That's why we pray during our fast. So we become more aware of the size of our God then the size of our problems. We, we, we magna, we're magnifying God because the greatest thing you can do in the midst of a battle is to magnify the Lord. That's what worship is. Worship is when you magnify God. You know, you guys, know, uh, you guys, have, seen, you guys have seen a magnifying glass, what that does? It kind of makes things a little bit bigger than they are. A lot of us go through life with the magnifying glass right here. Oh my goodness, I can't believe everything that's coming at me. And Jehoshaphat was like, you got to take your eyes off of this and put it on him. we got to change our perspective. And that's what worship is. It's magnifying God. And all of a sudden, he seems bigger. And all these things that were pressures and troubles and issues that just totally, ah, my day, I just can't. That's my God. He changes your perspective. That's why we worship at every service. Because we're pushing back against a culture that says, focus on this. This defines you. And you're like, no, he defines me. I'm fixating my focus in heaven. And when you trust him, when you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, your perspective changes. Look what Joshua, Jehoshaphat says. Look at this in verse 9. I love this. He says, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will cry out to you in distress. And you, O oh God, will hear us and what? Save us. You hear his heart. This, this, this is a cry from the heart. This is a prayer of trust, a prayer of faith. He's like, no matter what comes upon us, plague, somebody in your, in your family gets sick, just, just desperately ill, famine, I, 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 suddenly you can't pay the bills or, or, or you can't have kids. We will cry out to you. Before we go there, we're going to cry out to you, God, in distress, and I believe that you're going to hear us. You're listening, God, and that you're going to save us. You're going to act powerfully. Jehoshaphat fights back with defiant worship. He says, regardless of the odds that I'm facing, I am choosing to focus not on this, but on him. I'm looking at God in the size of his power. He is mighty to save. We sing that. He's mighty to save. More than that. Jehoshaphat actually says, and I'm weak and I got no ideas on my own. I got no power to fix things for myself. Look at verse 12. I love this prayer. This is just so honest. He says, oh God, will you not judge him? For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We don't know what to do. But what? Let's say it. Our eyes are upon You Can I tell you a secret to high-octane prayers? Yeah. Now we've been asking this past week, asking, seeking, knocking. God loves, Abba loves when his kids admit their weakness. I got no power. I can't, I can't, I can't make a new job happen to fall out of the sky. I can't get this door to open. I can't, I can't make this relationship heal. This is beyond me. That's part of what happens when we're confronted with a crisis. It's actually a gift. Because it reminds us how powerless we really are in the world. Maybe you're facing outside odds, odds in your life. You know, someone, someone, someone is praying that their brother would come to church next Sunday in Montclair. And they wrote, it would be a miracle if he accepts Christ. <laughs> Good news. God's in that business. <laughs> That's God's business. When things are out of control, when they are beyond our power, this is the moment that we get to admit, what does it say? Can we read this out loud? We do not know what to do. God says, thank heavens, they're giving up. They don't know what to do about these things. Are you done trying? Are all your good ideas, are all your solutions, are all your consultations, are you all done with it? Because I'm ready for you to fix your eyes on me. I don't want you to see your strength. I want you to see mine in your life. Folks, when that happens, God moves. Incredible things happen. Some of these requests are prayers for direction, yeah? discernment. Should I change careers? Who should I marry? What school should I go to? Fasting is about seeking God's guidance and saying, God, I, I don't know what to do. I'm at this crossroads, but you got to show me. Have you been seeking God with that kind of prayer of poverty? That's what I call that, a prayer of poverty. You admit, honestly, yeah, I don't know what to do because that's what a fast does. It spotlights our weakness. You've been getting weaker. Those hunger pains in you have have increased your sense of dependence on God. In a profound way, that's what your your fast is. It's a declaration of dependence. That's what Jehoshaphat's prayer was. He says, God, I don't know what to do. I got no power. And us, that sounds like weakness, but guess how that sounds to God? Oh, he loves that prayer. (laughs) That kind of humility, that kind of brokenness. God says, oh, I like these odds. (laughs) See, when my child comes to me in her weakness, that's when I love to show my strength. I want to speak very clearly right now to a few people. Maybe you're you're here because you needed to hear this today. You may not know what to do, but today you're going to begin shifting your focus from your crisis to your king. You need to change your perspective. God's going to give you a paradigm shift of who you're looking at here. What does Jehoshaphat say? He says, our eyes are on you. Can we say that together as our church? Our eyes are upon you. We may not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's powerful, guys. I hope this is what's been gradually happening in your life over the last 14 days, that your vision is, is literally beginning to move off of your issues and, and, and on, onto, onto your God. I see him more clearly now. That's the signs of authentic breakthrough. I mean, when you talk about biblical breakthrough, what's it look like? Because we use that word a lot. Look at verse 14. You're going to see this. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel as he stood in the assembly. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. In other words, as he's praying, this guy Jehaziel receives this word of, of knowledge. He receives a revelation from God. And he says, here here comes the breakthrough. Wait for it. Let's read these words together. I love this. For the battle is not yours, but whose? God's. Here is a question for you today. Whose battle do you really believe this is? Is this yours? Is this your deal? Let me ask you that. Is this up to you? Or is it up to God? Is, is Is this illness up to you to cure? Or God? Is this addiction up to you to break or God? Yeah, is, this a, is it up to you to save your family or your friend? Or is that God's deal? Is it up to you to find a job or close the deal? Is it up to you to protect your kids or God? Folks, the battle is not yours, but God's, amen? That's the point. Do you know what the translation is of this verse in the TPL? That's the Timothy Paul Lucas version. It ain't your fight. <laughs> That's the revelation Jehoshaphat receives. And it's literally for all of us. You may not be facing a vast army. Maybe it feels like it. But whatever battle you're facing today, God has a word for you, and it's this. It ain't your fight. Say that together. It ain't your fight. As a child of God, you actually have authority to lay hold of your daddy's power and to call on the name of the Lord your God to fight for you. Scripture says he actually longs to show himself strong on behalf of those who love him. And some of you need to cry out because this is the homestretch, folks, week three. And next Sunday, we're going to break our fast. That's where we get breakfast from. Break our fast together. But mark this the fast is the battle, and the breakthrough often comes after the battle. Some of you are in the middle of a battle right now, and what God's doing is He's kind of breaking your pride, your sense of independence, your sense of I can keep all these balls in the air, I can handle everything, I can kind of figure out a solution. And God says, No, you can't. I just wish you would stop acting like you did. The battle is mine, it ain't your fight. And thank God for that, because if it was, you'd be dead. (laughs) You should lose hope. I hope that's why you're here, because there's an element of hopelessness, holy hopelessness to you. But you're like, because of who I am as a child of God, as someone whose sins have been forgiven through the power of Jesus Christ, I am taking my stand against my enemy in his name. Amen? That's what we're doing. We're fasting. We're denying ourselves and committing our ways to him, and we're trusting him for the result. The battle is not mine. It's his. So let them drop the battle plans. And some of you are like, well, that sounds very inspirational. <laughs> what are the plans, though? God really has a plan. He's going to reveal things to me. According to Jehoshaphat, yeah. Look at verse 16. I love this. This is hilarious. God says, Tomorrow, Jehoshaphat, I want you to march down against them. They're going to be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert. Oliver camps campus, big loud voice. Read this with me. It says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out to face them, and the Lord will be with you. Next Sunday, April 17th, the P- Palm Sunday, is day 21 of our fast. And we're going to gather in Montclair for the first time ever, everyone under one roof. And you know what? I'm expecting God to move. Is anyone else expecting God to move? Yeah. I'm expecting people to be saved, to be delivered. Anybody else? Yeah, that's going to happen as we praise him. I mean, what would you do differently this week if, if, if this was God's word to you today? Hey, I've seen, I've heard your prayers. I've heard, I've heard about this. I know how close this is to your heart. Good news, you will not have to fight this battle. I want you to see the deliverance I'm about to bring. Your job is to see. I want you to be a witness to what I'm about to do. So go out and face them. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Folks, this is powerful. I believe if you lived in that reality, that the Lord was going before you with his plan ahead of your plan, you'd be dangerous. Because if that reality, if you believe that, that hit you right now, what God was planning to do through this, you would fall on your face like Jehoshaphat. It says Jehoshaphat just bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, what'd they do? They fell down and worship before the Lord. That's what fasting releases, worship. I hope it's been, have you noticed there's an intensity in our worship over the last few weeks? That's what's happening here. A deeper trust in God starts coming out of you. That's what worship is. We think worship is about singing songs, like it's just this genre of music. It's not that. It's not just music. Worship's a way of life. It's saying, God, I see you, and I want you in every situation, in every crisis of my life. Instead of allowing it to sink you, you actually allow those battles to draw you deeper into him. Faced with impossible odds, this was God's word to Jehoshaphat. He's like, expect a miracle, because I'm going with you. Would that make you worship? If God said those words to you, if you knew when you're, when you're done with the fast, you knew the Lord was going to fight for you, for your family, would that elicit a reaction from you? Verse 19 says, then some Levites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with what? Say it out loud. Very loud voice. Say it louder, church. Very loud voice. Say it louder, church. Very loud voice. I'm like a rapper. No. I wish we had louder voices in this church. I really do. I know some of you are like, the, the music's too loud already. I get it. I don't think our voices are too loud for God. Yeah? In fact, I think God would like his kids to raise their voices. Can we lift up a shout of praise to God? Let me hear your voice, church. Let me hear your voice, church. Lift up a shout of praise. Someone praise him. That's what that is. The battle ain't... look at us. We're getting Pentecostal here. I love it. we go going Old Testament. Calm down, calm down. All right. I want to finish the story. Look at verse 20. Read with me here. Early in the morning, it says, they left for the desert. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah, people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you'll be upheld. After consulting the people, I love this. Look at this. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. Singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. I love this. Can you imagine the scene? People are surrounded by two armies the Moabites on this side, the Ammonites on this side. These are people who throw their own kids into the fire. They're demon possessed, they're barbarians. And they're on the doorstep of God's people, their house. And Jehoshaphat, the king, says, We're going to send out the army. And you know who I want in front? The worship team. Uh, sister, man, take a moment here. This is a bit of a joke. I mean, no offense, but have you ever seen our worship team? I just want to acknowledge here. All right. They are, they are, they are gifted musicians, warriors. They are not. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dave. I don't mean anything by it. I just, (laughs) this one guy's wearing a Ghostbusters t-shirt. That's an amazing thing here. God says, you know how we're going to fight? We're going to send out the praise band. I love that. And they get out there. I imagine this. The army starts charging. Dun, 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 dun. They come up over the ridge and they're like, worship the Lord. You thank to the Lord. His love and it." The Ammonites are like, dude, we throw kids in fire, dude. I don't know what this is. What kind of strategy for battle is this thing? And Jehoshaphat's letting us in on a secret. He says, see, when you're ever faced with a battle with outsized odds, praise is what pushes back the enemy, amen? It does. Watch what happens. Read this. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. It says the men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the other men to destroy and annihilate them. Look at these words. After they finished slaughtering each other, they helped to destroy one another. In other words, they got a little friendly fire going on here. Fasting is a weapon. Worship it is a what? Weapon. The problem is we don't believe it. Yeah? We don't pray like we believe it. We don't sing like we believe it most of the time. Look at the words. The Ammonites were destroyed. They were annihilated. The enemy was defeated. What was the weapon of mass destruction? The praises of God's people. That's the power of fasting prayer and defiant worship. Because when the world meets people who are hungry for God's breakthrough, believing that the enemy may be big, but our God is what? Bigger. Amen? The battle may be great, but our God is greater. Amen? Who is ready for... Make some noise, church. I'm shaking a tambourine up here. Shout to your, That's your God. That's your God. That's your God. I love... I love the breakthrough. Jehoshaphat's warriors, they don't even lift a finger. The enemy gets confused. They get caught in friendly fire. Look at verse 24. It says, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, they looked towards the vast army. They saw only what? Dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. You catch this? I mean, this is hard to believe. I imagine them getting closer to this battlefield. They hear the enemy's war drum. Boom, 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 boom. And there goes the worship band. And we are like, are we sure about this? You know, and they finally get there. They look at the battlefield, and it's what? Littered with bodies. You think that God can't take care of this. You think your God doesn't see this? You think your God doesn't want to show himself strong on your behalf? Look at this. Ain't not it fun when God shows off? And maybe you're like, man, if only he'd do that in my situation. You've got to get your mind right. You're still. You're still looking at life through earthly lenses. Did you forget this already? This fight ain't yours. The battle is whose? It's mine, says the Lord. And when the Lord claims the battle, the victory is total and complete. It is not half-baked. It is lopsided. I don't know when it's going to be, guys. I don't know if it's next week. I don't know if it's in a few weeks, maybe months, maybe, maybe a year from now. But God's going to move powerfully on your behalf. And some of you are going to look back at this and say, I can't believe what has happened. What, what, what was that? Wrong question. Who was that? Who was that? That's the Lord your God working all things, say all things, all things together for good and for his glory. I want to show you a picture of what breakthrough looks like up close in the life of a young woman here at our church who's been in really a battle for a good portion of her life. Meg Freeman is a courageous lady courageous woman but she, she had a stronghold that began really for her in grade school and when this fasting series came up it actually pricked a, a wound in her life that was still still sore still healing but she sought God in her battle and here's the incredible news God broke through to her last week in a profound way
0: when I first heard about the fast series I cried When I was in 8th grade, I developed a serious eating disorder. Um, The combination of my legalistic upbringing at home and at church and my own desire for perfectionism drove me to become anorexic. In 11th grade, I became bulimic and uh, right up through college actually. Um, It wasn't until I was at college that I really began to receive healing and through years of counseling and his spirit I was able to work through a lot of the reasons why I had developed an eating disorder. So the idea of thinking about what I was eating for three weeks and obsessing about food was really difficult for me. It felt like a step backwards for me. Um, God had given me victory over my eating disorder and he had redeemed that part of my life but I'll be lying if I said it wasn't still a wound for me so right at that moment when I was feeling the most hurt and the most conflicted, um, God spoke to me. I was reading in 1 Samuel and there's a passage in 1 Samuel where The king at the time asks all his soldiers to not eat until they've completely conquered the enemy. And the king's son actually eats honey. Um, He disobeys the fast and he actually becomes the strongest warrior. He actually ends up being the one that gives them the victory. And when the king finds out that he broke the fast, um, they decide not to punish him because they realize that the victory that they have been given was because he broke the fast. God was speaking to me. He was telling me that he had given me the victory and I didn't need to worry about fasting, that he was going to work that out with me, Um, that he saw my past, he saw my wounds, he knew about my scars and about my insecurities, and he was willing to meet me where I was at and still give me his spirit. It seems kind of ironic because this series is about fasting, and actually God has called me not to fast from food. He has been making His presence known in my life in such a personal way, and I am just so humbled by the fact that God cares so much about me that He would want to speak into my life and show me His love One of the most amazing things uh, about having an addiction and being free of an addiction is how God has redeemed those darkest, awfulest moments of my life. Um, He first redeemed it for me when I was in college. He brought people into my life who were still struggling with an eating disorder that I could mentor, that I could tell. You're not always going to live this way. There's hope. You're going to be a different person someday. God is there, and He wants you to learn from what you're going through. Um, I was able to go to public schools and share what it was like to have an eating disorder, what that process was like to educate people. Uh, And I was able to speak in front of my entire college and tell them my story of redemption. Um, And right now, uh, I see God working this way in my life because I actually work with high schoolers every day. I teach English every day. I feel like I breathe life into those kids and tell them that no matter how dark their life is right now that this is not the end. There is redemption. There is hope. Um, And so it's an amazing thing for me how years of my life that I thought were wasted, God is using for me to breathe life into other people every day.
1: I hope you didn't miss power of that. I mean, for almost, can we, yeah, can we hear it? Yeah, thank you. You can hear that from Meg. God bless you. God bless you, Meg. Thank you for sharing with that. For almost 18 years of her life, Meg battled an eating disorder, which statistics say about 8 million Americans suffer from. And it's not just the addiction, it's the, it's the shame that goes with it that's pretty high. So you understand, first off, the gift that she just gave you. But the idea of doing a series on fasting was was, was kind of upsetting. It'd be like an alcoholic saying, I'm being forced to drink wine at communion. Food issues were still a soft spot in Meg's life prior to this series. And then God said, I'm going to make your battle my battle. And so instead of fasting food, she adopted the spirit of the fast and she sought God's face. Would you speak to me, God? Give me your healing touch. And he led her to a passage of scripture that said, I'm going to actually give you victory, not through fasting, but by not fasting. That's your freedom. You're free to eat or not eat, but know this. I'm setting you free from your past. I accept you as you are and, and mark this. I'm, I'm, going to be, I'm going to use every single aspect of your story, your life. Not, not one jot or tittle is going to go to waste. Every precious drop in failure and brokenness, I'm going to redeem all of it. Nothing's going to waste. And Meg told me how God spoke directly to her, and I was like, so let me get this straight. God broke through to you through a series on fasting by not fasting? (laughs) Yep. See, folks, fast is never about food, is it? I've been telling you this. It's about a heart, a heart that's vulnerable, a heart that's hungry for more God. In your life areas that are, that are pinned down or unfree or feel defeated. What I love most about Meg's story is the picture of redemption it paints. Redemption. That God not only heals your brokenness, but he will use it for his glory. Look at verse 25. This just ends the story. I'm finishing up. It says, God wins the battle for Jehoshaphat, but the victory. Look at this. It takes three whole days to carry it home. Look at this. Verse 25. So Jehoshaphat and his men went off to carry their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value. More than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took how long? Three days to collect it. Is that the kind of victory you're hungry for? Where it takes longer to bring the victory home than it does to fight the battle? That's God's breakthrough. That's significant. Three days it took him. To bring this victory home. If you're fighting an addiction. I would like to tell you that it comes all at once. You know what? God sometimes does do this. When he breaks our chains of sin at the cross. Christ forgives your sin. But sometimes it actually takes longer. For us to learn to walk in that freedom fully. To walk in. it, See the first. The fullest extent of your breakthrough. The the healing may or may not come instantly. Yeah? The, The relationship may not be magically. Repaired. You may have to go to counseling, you may have to do divorce recovery, you may have to do hard work. Your craving, your addiction may not instantly disappear. But mark this: if you persevere, if you admit your ongoing powerlessness to God, He will come through. And when Jesus comes with a victory, it is complete and it is total. It's not just forgiveness, it's not just freedom, it is full redemption in Jesus Christ. You know what redemption is? We throw that word around a lot. I don't think anyone knows what it means. Basic redemption means you know you're forgiven. The next level means, uh, oh, redemption, yeah, okay, well, now I can kind of live in freedom. But some people, honestly, they limp along in that freedom. Like it's still a soft spot for them, like it was for Meg. But full redemption, you know what full redemption is? Full redemption is when God touches you so thoroughly at a heart level, your hurts become a powerful source of healing in the lives of other people. You understand what I'm saying? That's what's happening with Meg. She's a high school teacher in the inner city and God has placed her in a sphere of influence with young men and women who are battling their own struggles. And because she's had an addiction, she knows the healing power of Jesus Christ firsthand. Amen? That's what God does. He redeems things. She heard her father's voice speaking, I'm going to use your hurts. I'm going to use your past for good, not in spite of your hats and your hurts. I'm going to heal people through your hurts. And now she speaks to students, girls who are struggling about how God uses, he uses... Every one of these. I meant no disrespect. He uses every jot and tittle. Every single one of these. He says, I'm going to redeem all of it. That's full redemption. When God turns your misery into a miracle, it makes the devil sorry he ever messed with you in the first place. You ready for that? Do yeah. you remember after Jesus was resurrected, how did he prove it to people? Look. Put your fingers where? In my palms. Put your fingers in the holes. Put your hand in my side. Why? Why, why? why did Jesus show his wounds? Because by his wounds we are healed. And by your wounds, your hurts, your cries, other captives are going to be set free if you let God use your life that way. It took Jehoshaphat three days to bring home the victory. The battle was over the second God came into the picture. But the victory took a long time to secure. That's how it is when you have some things like struggles like addictions. Forgiveness is instantaneous. We come to the cross. We're forgiven by Jesus. We are cleansed of our sin. But securing that freedom takes effort. It takes perseverance and belief that God can do it. And I honestly, if you don't have enough faith to believe that today, I am believing that for you. That God is not just going to come, come through for you. He's going to do more than that. He's, he's going to, what you see right now, see this? You're looking at it and you're like, he could never do this. This is huge. This is it. Your test is going to become a testimony by God's power someday. What you think is a crisis right now, look at my mess. It's going to become a message of His grace and His power to redeem. You believe that? Do you believe it? Folks, next week, I believe we're going to really have reason to celebrate. I believe God is going to bring victory in a lot of lives at our church, and, and I believe full redemption is in the cards for many of you who are struggling right now. You are going to look back years from now, years from now. And you're going to say, "Spring 2011. That was the moment. I actually started trusting God. Where my test, remember I, at the time, became a testimony. And next week in Montclair, we're, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sound the battle cry. Yeah? Amen? And as a choice, church, we're going to make a joyful noise. Because that's what Jehoshaphat and the people did. They declared war. It says they celebrated with harps and ly- lyres and lutes and trumpets. We're not going to use those. We've got guitars. We've got drums. We'll rock it. Shouting and praises. Actually, if you look in the text, I don't have time. I just want to end because I, I just want to celebrate with some of you. I want to praise God. But it actually says, that sound struck fear into the heart of the enemies of God. His word went out and they actually people just, I believe God's going to show up at 11 a.m. next week as we break the fast and we claim victory in Montclair. Anyone else believe this? We're going to worship. Here's what's going to happen. We're going, amen. We're going to worship. I'm going to preach a gospel message, and we're going to have coffee. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. There will be no hummus among us. Not a carrot stick in sight. Next Sunday, it is all coffee and carbs. That is it, man. Holy Spirit moment. So don't come to your usual campus, okay? Morristown, New Brunswick will be closed. We'll be at Montclair High School under one roof. And you need to come expecting God to move. If you have unsafe family or friends, okay, you got to bring them people. You got to bring their, you got to love them. This could be the day of their salvation when God actually breaks through their heart and reveals his spirit. I have no doubt God is stirring something. Um, on Wednesday, out of the blue, my gay hairdresser says to me, uh, he, uh yeah, i just let that go. He just, he goes like this. He goes, um, so, uh, I go, I goes, what, so what's, to do with you? He goes, so my partner and I are thinking about visiting liquid. And I go, I tried not to act surprised. And he just goes, he goes, he goes, uh, is there any particular Sunday we should come? And I was like, uh, as a matter of fact, yeah. Like, Palm Sunday. He goes, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and so I, put, I go, well, fortunately, I got one of these in my back pocket. I had a smaller one. I go, I can't believe you asked this. I have been going to him for nine years and sharing about God's love, sharing about it, but he's been wounded. He's been hurt by the church. He's been stigmatized. He's been stoned by God's people. And so he has a wall built up. And I said, forgive me, but God's talking to you. I pray... He's going to come. Out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit talks to him and says, so when should I come? We haven't talked about it. What's going to happen next week? Over 2,000 people under one roof in the, in the heart of 12 miles outside of Manhattan. We're going to celebrate breakthrough next week. That's what's going to happen. The second thing I believe God's asking some of you to do is consider getting baptized this Easter. I believe that. I've, we've seen dozens of sign-ups come in. If God has broken through to you this spring, your faith has moved. Where has it moved? From here to here. Maybe it's been in your head the whole time, intellectually, God, I know, love Jesus. It's moved to your heart. Baptism is your next step. Baptism is the best biblical picture of breakthrough in the Bible. You heard the story of Andy and and Allison um, uh, this month. Grew up Jewish, into drugs, other stuff, until Jesus broke through and literally brought him new life. That's what baptism is. You go under the water, you're dead to your sins. You come up out of the water, new life in Christ. You're a new creation. Even if you've been baptized as an infant, we we don't do infant baptism. We baptize adults. I get that question a lot, especially from Catholic friends. Being baptized as an adult doesn't negate what your parents did for you. That was their way of saying, you know what, they they want God in your life. But as an adult, now that you fully understand what it costs Christ to give you salvation the cross, to bring you into God's family, this is your moment to make your faith your own. That's what baptism is. So sign up, be baptized on Resurrection Sunday. It's an incredible experience. We've done it with hundreds of people, and it is a milestone of breakthrough. Um, Take that next step. Just confirm what God is doing in your heart. I'm excited. Can you tell? (laughs) I'm pumped about this. I hope you are too. I think God's doing up to some incredible things, and I just want to pray for us. In fact, all our campuses, would you stand up? We're going to worship after I pray. So stand on up. Come on. Get up. Look at God's people. God, these are your people. Look at them. God, look at all of their needs. God, every one of these is not beyond you. You can provide for every single one. We're celebrating what you did in Meg's life, what you did in Chris's life, what you did in Andy's life, what you're going to do in the lives of people right now who even just feel a faint stirring in their heart. God, that's your Holy Spirit speaking to them. That's saying, watch and see the salvation that I bring you. God, would you right now, by your Holy Spirit, in this moment of worship, would you let us lose ourselves? so we can find more of you. In Jesus' precious name, all God's people said, Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.